Hello, good evening everybody. Welcome to New Hope uh, Midweek Service. For those of you joining online, we'd like to welcome you. Thank you for joining us and spending part of your evening with us. Right now is a time of worship where we get to continue our praise and love and adoration to Christ in the forms of tithes and offerings. So if the ushers would kindly prepare. Um, you know, before I start, let's do this. Why don't we give a hand to all the tech people? You know these faithful servants behind the camera doing the mixing, the PowerPoint? You know, they only get attention when something go wrong, yeah? It's like they only, they only when something go wrong, they get attention. They are the unseen saints and volunteers uh, of this church. And, you know, actually in kingdom operations, much of what we see is unseen. Much of what's going on is unseen. The Bible tells us to focus on what is unseen, not what is seen. These guys, they give of their time, their talents. And when we give of our finances in tithes and offerings, often we don't know where that dollar is going. But I'd like to share with you tonight how your giving has impacted my life and the life of my children. About three or four years ago, I was suffering from a depression, a very difficult period of my life and as a result my children also struggle but three years later um, my kids because of your faithfulness in giving and the supporting of the youth ministries and the children's ministries and everything that goes on here you know my son is now actively participating in youth my daughter is one of the servants in marvels on the move and I'm just amazed and I tell you, tonight, I want to say thank you to three people. Number one, God for his faithfulness. I mean, he's, he's awesome. Number two, I want to thank the volunteers, the unseen volunteers who do so much behind the scenes that always go unnoticed. And also, I wanted to thank each and every one of you for your faithfulness in giving for every dollar you give is tied to a soul either in evangelism or discipleship so from from my heart i thank you guys so let's pray father god in jesus name we thank you lord for your mighty miracles and your blessing lord what you are doing as a result of the obedience to give of our times our talent uh, you know our energy and also of our finances lord Take this offering, Lord God. Use it, multiply it, and reach the people of Hilo, every man, woman, and child, Lord, for the sake of the gospel, for salvation in Jesus' name. Lord, open up our hearts this evening as we welcome you in, Lord God. May your spirit bear witness with ours as your word is poured in, as it transforms us from the inside out. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you hold on real quick, Jonathan? You are one of those. Let's turn before you. <laughs> Just no, because this, this man has been serving here for a while. And you have been serving not only in our youth, but with our children. You serve our seniors or our forerunners. Uh, and you do things like this. You, you do ushering. You pray behind the scenes. So we want to say thank you to you too, Jonathan. Thank you so much for serving throughout all the years. We appreciate you. Thank you. I'm sure whenever we come to 
church, we're ready for something. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Like, we come to a place like this, and for some of us, this is our church, and if this is your first time, we welcome you. But usually, we come to a setting like this, and we, we hope that God is going to speak to us, or for some of us, it's what we do. It's just a normal part of our everyday life. In other words, church is a lifestyle, because church is not a place that we go to. Church is something that we are, and the Bible tells us, do not, give in the ha- uh, do not uh, forget me of meeting together. Don't give up this habit of meeting together. And so throughout the years, maybe you've developed that habit of meeting together and you're consistent and not to attend church is unthinkable for you. Like you've never thought of not attending church. Not attending church was never an option for you. It was always an option or that was your only option. For Heidi and I, when we were getting married and attending church, that was a part of our marriage. We said we are going to church. It was just a part of our marriage. It's like saying we are going to bathe. It's a part of life. Church wasn't an option. It was what we did. And what is interesting is what Jonathan was saying is it's the body of Christ that causes us to be healed. It causes us to find hope. It causes us to be in a surrounding that gives us the the kind of joy that we wouldn't have elsewhere. And here's why. Because this gathering is different than any other gathering outside of church. Church is not people gathering together inside of a building. Church is the body of Christ. That's the difference. That's why you can go to other gatherings that is not church, like going to the movies, and you don't get the same atmosphere because you're a group of people meeting as if you're meeting in church. Two different things, yet you're doing, or you get two different results out of doing the same thing. You see, when we gather together as the church, there is a purpose to it. And that purpose is that God is going to do something great. And Jesus is called the head of the church. So he's the head over the body of Christ. And when we gather like this, the reason why there's healing, the reason why there's hope is because Jesus is the head of the church. It's not just because we gather. You can gather at parties, movies, wherever you want to gather, at football games, but something different takes place when we gather as the church. Why? Because Jesus is the head of it. So tonight, we're going to be continuing in our series, Spiritual Disciplines, and we're going to need some disciplines for our spirit. I think we all agree with that. To build our spirit, it's not going to happen automatically. Oh, I wish it happened automatically, but really, it wouldn't be a building up of our spirit if it happened automatically. We don't just automatically gain spiritual disciplines. We don't automatically grow in our spirit. In fact, if you don't purposefully grow in your spirit, you're either dying or are already dead on the inside. Because anything that isn't growing is dead. Yeah, but I look like a Christian. Yeah, so do plastic plants. Plastic plants look real from a distance, but you get up close to a plastic plant you can tell it's fake. And the thing about being a Christian that the world is looking at is that in itself. They want to see if we are authentic people who truly believe in God. You know, on Sunday mornings, our vision is to reach out to people who are far from God. And we reach out and we, we, we connect with people one relationship at a time. We do that on a Wednesday night also, but Wednesday night are for believers. 
It's for the Christian. It's for the Christian who says, I want to grow in Christ. So on, on Wednesdays, it's a little bit more challenging. On Sundays, you lift five pounds of dumbbells. On Wednesday, we're going like 50, 60, 70 pounds. For you guys, some of you, I know you can go 20, 30, 50, 70, 90 pounds. Some of you tonight, you're like, you know what? Normally, I can go like, I can do 45, but tonight, I'm going to do 50. Like, you challenge yourself to, to grow spiritually. And that's a part of maturity as we grow in Christ. It's saying to the Lord, okay, this is what I'm doing right now. This is where I'm at. Here are some of the things that I deal with. And tonight, Lord, I want to grow in you. Like, I think that's a challenge we all want to have to ourselves. And if you don't challenge yourself, we won't grow. Because it's no one else's responsibility except ours. You know when you talk about keeping each other accountable? You are only as accountable as you are accountable to yourself. Because we can tell other people, oh, keep me accountable, keep me accountable. Hey, when I swear, slap my neck. When I swear, just, you know, give me a jab. But what if they're not there? See, accountability only takes place with the person you hang around with the most. I'll let you, I'll let you think about that one for a little while. Just think about the person you hang around with the most, and let's take out our notes. If you want to use the app, you can do that, and there are all our notes on there. But who is the person you hang around with the most? Yeah, yourself. That's the person you hang around with the most. So that's the person who should keep you accountable. No, 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 God is my accountability. Yeah, but do you know how much grace God has for you? Yeah. The Bible says that he, he showers us with grace. Now, I'm not saying don't be gracious on yourself. What I am saying is you know you more than anyone else. And so tonight, I set all of that up just, just for this. Because tonight, we're going to be talking about a phrase that, for some of us, it's very difficult. And it's life in the spirit of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not easy for everyone. Oh, it's easy to, to be forgiven. It's easy for us to go to God and say, forgive me, and God forgives us. Much more difficult for us to say, I forgive you. That's the tough part. Some time ago, a man, a man came into the church, and he was a friend of mine, and I've known him for probably around maybe four or five years, but I haven't seen him in a while because he started to work in a, uh, I believe he moved to Kona, and so he, I didn't see him for like two years, and then he, he came to church, and I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, good, good. I said, long time no see. How's work? How's everything going? He said, good, good. He says, yeah, I came to church today because I needed to talk with you. I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. He said, um... You know, I haven't come to church for over two years. I said, I know, I know, you moved and you work. He goes, no, no, that's not why. I, I haven't come to church because of you. <laughs> and that's how he said, it's because of you. And I said, oh, okay. So, so what's up? Like, I had to step back. He looked pretty rugged. So I said, um, so, so what's, what's happening? He said, well, you know, two years ago, and he gave the, the situation that took place he said, two years ago, this happened, and he explained what happened. And I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, and then you made a decision that I didn't agree with. I said, yeah, I remember the decision I had to make, and because everybody else was saying, do this, do this, do that, no, do this. And I had to make the final decision. Yes, I understand that. He said, but you didn't decide and make the decision that I suggested. And I said, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and he said, so I held that against you. 
for two years. I said, for two years? He said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. That was dumb. I said, that wasn't dumb. That was like beyond dumb. That's like <laughs> two years. And all this time, you didn't say anything. He's like, I couldn't. I couldn't. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was thinking, how can my friend, how can my friend not back me up? And from what I understood is that he felt like everyone else was looking at him like he was a fool. Like he didn't know what he was talking about. I, I didn't know because we were all trying to make a decision. And finally I said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. And everybody's like, okay, let's just do that. But from that day, two years. Now, we're good now, but I thought for two years, two years he didn't even come to church. Two years he wanted to but didn't. Two years, all because of a small, tiny thing that I thought was small, was major in his life. And then I thought, wait a minute, for two years, if that happened, you're now freed. So you're freed from all of this. But for two years, you are a prisoner. And you have not grown in two years. In other words, Whenever we have unforgiveness, it stunts our growth. We cannot grow because we're, we'll only grow as far as we're giving out forgiveness. That's as far as we'll grow. The amount of forgiveness that we give is like the fertilizer to our growth. Otherwise, all we do is we just make pretend that we're believers in Jesus because the one thing that we have as a believer, that the people in the world do not have is genuine forgiveness. It's a, it's a, it's a, a heartfelt, Christ-centered forgiveness. It's not a, no, 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 I, I forgive you because you are like that. It's, you know what? We're good. Why? Because of what Jesus did for me. The spirit of forgiveness and having that lifestyle of forgiveness, it's a tough thing to deal with because it hurts. There's pain, there's, there's resentment, there's bitterness, and there's thoughts that continue to play out in our minds. And, and there's a, there are emotions that take place, and then we don't know what to do with it. And I, 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 you know, I thought about my friend, and I thought, you know, that's the heart I want. I want to have the heart that is able to forgive. I want to have that heart, but I don't want it to wait that long. I don't want to wait that long because for two years, any of you know in any sporting activity, if, you're, if you are a champion and you go out for two years, you know how hard it is to come back if you just stop? Now, Michael Jordan did it, but he was still playing. He was still, you know, shooting around and exercising. But if you stop dead cold and then you wait two years and try to come back, you know how difficult that is? It's hard to do. And so it is as believers, when there's unforgiveness, if we don't let that go and we harbor that, it stunts our growth. And then when we're finally free and hopefully freed, you know how long it is for us to get back on track? It's almost like we've wasted two years. But here's the, here's the, here's the unbelievable grace of God and the amazing love and grace of God. Even though we may have wasted two years, God takes us where we're at, and we can excel more and more. He says, I'll take you from glory to glory. In other words, 
We, he can redeem those two years, four years, some of us 30 years. He can take that, redeem it, and use it for a testimony for him so that other people can be freed. That's what living in the, with that lifestyle of forgiveness, that spirit of forgiveness is, is all about. It's, it's being free from that. Because to be a Christian means to forgive even the inexcusable, even the most difficult things in life that causes us to harbor unforgiveness. And the reason we should be able to forgive the, the inexcusable is because God did that with us. He forgave us all of our sin, past, present, and future. The future sins, now I can understand we can, you know, there's the past sins and then the things we're doing now, but for him to say, I have forgiven you even for your whole entire future, like I paid for it all, that to me is unbelievable. And if he's doing that with us, how much more should we do that with other people? In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 12, 14, and 15, Jesus says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. That's in the Lord's prayer. He said, this is how you should pray. It's forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Notice Jesus didn't just say, when you pray, pray like this, Father, forgive me of my sins. Because it sounds like that would be good enough because we're praying. But he says, no, no, it's in the same sentence. There's a comma there. It's because they're tied together. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. In other words, as I'm forgiving, I'm being forgiven. Yeah, but I thought God forgave us of all of our sins. Absolutely. But you determine if that's going to be used for you. He's forgiven us. He's given us a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's up to you to use it. And it's used in this context. And in verses 14 and 15, it says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Really? Why? I thought God forgave us. You know what he's saying? He's saying, my forgiveness is not just for you. It's also for others. The forgiveness of sin that with everyone, oh, we're all forgiven. But he's saying now there's forgiveness that you need to give out. Yeah, but I, I don't want to, but I accept yours. He goes, they kind of go hand in hand. It's, it's under one blanket. See, we're, we're offered forgiveness in this context. There's, there's no other terms. This is how God wired us up. He said this is how forgiveness works. And to refuse to be forgiven, to refuse to give out forgiveness is to refuse God's mercy for ourselves. It's like saying to God, I don't like your way, so I'm going to try it my way. He's like, that's the only way. This is how it works. In Matthew chapter 18, there's a story of the, the unmerciful servant. And Jesus gives this parable, and it's a really good parable. In Matthew chapter, chapter 18, verse 21, Peter, one of the disciples, comes to Jesus and he asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to uh, seven times? Jesus answered, I, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some versions say 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle, a, settle accounts with his servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, which is equivalent to about $100 million, $100 million, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant 
The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, like 50 bucks. So he owed a hundred million, and someone owed him 50. So he found this servant, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. He said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees, same thing, and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it all back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. It's like the, the prison of debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servants in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, the, the, the crazy thing in this story is that nothing makes sense from this servant's part. You've been forgiven $100 million. You find someone who owes you 50 bucks and you choke them out saying, pay me back my $50. While on the other side, you've been forgiven $100 million. That just doesn't make sense. But what actually takes place is he forgot how much he's been forgiven. He was just looking at how much I'm owed, what is due to me. See, when the arrows point inwards, uh, you can't forgive. But... When our focus is on the Lord and he said, wait a minute, a hundred million? Instantaneously, we should say, if you forgave me a hundred million, I have a few friends who owe me 50 bucks, 70 bucks, $200. You know what? With that, that you gave me, a hundred million, that you, you paid off my debt, I have enough to spare. I can forgive them because we're more of a conduit when it comes to forgiveness than we are intellects. We're supposed to be a conduit for God. See, I'm not sure if you ever felt unforgiveness or if you, you battled with uh, someone uh, doing something that hurt you and, and now you harbor unforgiveness or bitterness or, or someone not forgiving you or freeing you from forgiveness or unforgiveness or maybe you, you feel unforgiven by God and maybe sometimes we're, we're stuck in between what we have done, what we're doing and trying to grow in God. And we're trying to build our relationship with him. And so we're stuck in the middle. And so we're looking at our sin, our, our, our mistakes, and all of that. And it's like God is saying, when it comes to forgiveness, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on the sin, the past, when you should be focusing on me, the master who has forgiven a hundred million. Because when our focus is on him, now we're able to... Now we're able to deal with forgiveness and unforgiveness. Now we're able to think straight, and, and now we're able to make wiser decisions. But if we're focusing on the, the problem itself and unforgiveness, boy, it's going to be very difficult. Many of us have turned our backs on people who have done wrong to us, and, and it's understandable because it's, it's heartache, it's painful. We just don't want that kind of attitude around us. And we may even say, no, 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 I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. But in our hearts, we still hold that bitterness. But on the outside, we, we kind of make nice. Like, no, 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 we're good. But on the inside, there's still unforgiveness there. We're still holding on to it. Or for some of us, maybe we're just tired of trying. We're like, we just give up already. We, we don't, I, I, I can't deal with this person anymore, so I'm done. 
And so we just give up. And we're reminded that we're, God has given us some disciplines to work on. And it is the spirit of forgiveness. Some of us even feel justified in our decisions to treat people the way we want because they've done something to us. And we kind of hold that against them. We hold it over them like, no, you did this to me, so you're going to pay for that. I can treat you like this because this is how you treat me. And we use that as a way to justify our own attitude when God is saying, wait a minute, am I shaping your life or this person, your pain, your bitterness, and what you're going through? Because you can have it your way, it's how, however you want it. It can be either my way or your way, but my way is best. Your way is not working out for you. And for some of us, we're actually okay with that. Like we're okay knowing what the Bible says, but we're not willing to change. We're saying to God, no, I'm, I'm good. I, you know, I, I know you love me, so I, I'm good with this. See, with the people you feel unforgiveness towards, when there's that, that bitterness inside, and if there's a person who has been saying something to you or, or treating you in a certain way, the question is this. When was the last time you prayed for them? No, not the kind of prayers like, Lord, take care of them, Lord. Just take them, they say, Lord, wipe them off with the face of this planet, Lord. Just get them out of my life. Like, that, like, not that kind of prayer. The kind of prayer that says, Lord, can you draw them close to you? Like, with a genuine heart that you're saying, God, I, I pray that they would come to know you. Because the problem is not that they're a bitter person or in pain or they're suffering or anything like that. The problem is they may not know Jesus. But we do. So God holds us accountable because we know he's holding us accountable to pray for them. Everything changes when we pray in the area of unforgiveness, whether it's us giving forgiveness or someone holding unforgiveness over us. We pray for them. And when we do that, it's like our spiritual disciplines start to, start to strengthen and, 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 and get more focused. And when that happens, now we're able to walk and live in the life and the spirit of forgiveness. See, God's mercy has been shown to us so much more than we'll ever need to show to someone else. His mercy towards us has been shown to us so much more than we will ever have to show to someone else. It's so much grander. It's a hundred million of mercy, hundred million of forgiveness, and hundred million of grace, and we have a hard time with 50 bucks. <laughs> he says, it, 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 there's more than enough for you to keep giving away. See, a, a spirit of forgiveness is a fundamental requirement for every single believer, for every person who says yes to Jesus. It's a part of our life. It's a part of our learning. It's, it's, a, it's a fundamental part of who we are as believers. So what we're going to do is look at some ways to help us see the truth that reveals the importance of the disciplines of the Spirit that comes with forgiveness. And here's the first thing that we want to learn, that unforgiveness actually blinds us. Unforgiveness blinds us. It's like it puts on blinders that we can't even see what we're doing. We don't know what's happening because there's unforgiveness. It's in there, and we think we're growing in Christ, but if there's unforgiveness, we're not. We're learning some things, but we have not yet progressed. Why? Because there's unforgiveness. 
See, from seeing the possibilities in my life, that goes away. Why? Because I'm blinded. I'm blinded from even seeing value in relationships. I'm blinded from seeing the way out of the prison that I'm in when, when it comes to forgiveness. And, and so much so that we're so blinded that we don't even know we're imprisoned. We have no idea because we're just, we're blind. I mean, when, just, listen to, just listen to how we speak and our attitude. It, it, you're going to see a difference between someone who is freed in forgiveness, that they don't hold, like, harbor unforgiveness. You're going to see a difference in that person's spirit than a person who holds unforgiveness. You're going to see a major difference. The person that is freed, I mean, they're joyful. They're, they're, they, can, they can speak well of people. They're not gossipers. They're, they're easy to get along. But then you have someone who has unforgiveness, and you hear their spirit, their attitude, and you can hear the things that they're talking about. You can see a major difference. Why? Because there's a spirit. It's a totally different spirit. One is freed. One is imprisoned. One is operating in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's how they operate. This one is just dark. And you can, you can see the difference between the two. You know, rabbis of the day, they, they would say that, and it came out of the book of Amos, that God, if, if God says that you've sinned and for three times or he says, for three transgressions and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. It's almost like God saying, you know, I'll give you three chances, maybe even four, to forgive you. So what the rabbis felt was, wait a minute, if God is saying maybe three or four chances that he'll give us, that's as far as we'll go to as human beings. So in Peter said, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sinned against me? Like seven? Like Peter was doubling it up on how, how good God was. Peter was trying to be like extra holy. He's saying, wait a minute, God, you said you, you're going you're gonna to forgive our transgressions three times, maybe even four. So Peter was trying to be like, hey, Jesus, what about seven? And Jesus, of course, said, no, it's like 70 times seven. What he wasn't saying is 490. But even that, what if Jesus meant 490? Have you forgiven someone 490 times? Now, not the kind of forgiveness like, hey, bro, you broke my slipper. Look, my slipper broken. Oh, sorry. Oh, Juan, that's not forgiveness. <laughs> like, real deep-rooted bitterness forgiveness. Not, oh, I'm sorry I broke your window. It's not that kind of... The forgiveness that God is talking about is a separation of relationship. There's unforgiveness there. So Peter felt, you know what, I can, I can go more than that. But Jesus said, no, no, that, that, that's not what it's about. What Jesus was saying is, I'm calling you to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. It's constant, Peter. It's not counting. It's, con it's continuously. You, you're not, one day it's one, two, three, and you feel good about yourself. Oh, I forgave three times. No, it's your entire life, Peter. Why? Because you, Peter, are the church. You represent me. That's why I'm asking you to do this. People need to see you as a believer forgiving them continuously so they understand me who they have not seen yet. And sometimes people have a hard time coming to Jesus, not because of Jesus, but because of his followers. We hold on to unforgiveness, and so people don't understand what the difference is. 
And why, so why should I follow this Jesus when you have this unforgiveness and you harbor bitterness towards me? So they're confused. But if we're the kinds of people that says, you know what, Lord, I, I want to be able to see. Because if unforgiveness blinds us, imagine the possibilities when unforgiveness is given or forgiveness is given and unforgiveness is now released from our life. Now we're able to see, we have vision for our life, and we're able to know where we're heading and God will guide us through. But if God is guiding us and we're blinded, where can we go? We can only go so far being blindfolded. But not only that, the second thing is to remember that we're all called to a lifestyle of forgiveness. We're called. It's a, it's a calling as the church. This is who we are. It's not for anybody else but the church. God gave us this ministry as the Bible calls it, of reconciliation. It's reconciling relationships. We're called to a lifestyle of forgiveness. You know the word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. It comes from two words, ek, E-K, which is where we get the word exit. You see this exit signs? That's where we get the word exit. It's from this word ek. Ek means out of. So ekklesia, out of, the second half, kaleo. If you take those two words, it means to call. So kaleo means to call. Ek means out of. So when Jesus uses the word church, ecclesia, he says, you are called out of. Now, what are we called out of? Oh, we're called out of his spirit. We're called out of this building. We're called out of a lifestyle of forgiveness. We're called out. This, this is who he made us to be. We're not people who stay in. We're people who are called out. We're talking today about growing up and, and how, you know, technology causes us to stay in now. And then the rain here in Hilo, but that's something else. Technology causes us to stay in sometimes, but while you're growing up, you, you want to go outside. I remember we couldn't even come in the house. You had to stay outside. Like you got kicked out of your own house, especially during summertime. You couldn't come in the house. The only time you came in is if you had to eat. And even that, we very rarely came home because it had mangoes and, and guavas and we just ate whatever we could get our hands on or just go to grandma's house. But we were called out of, we weren't supposed to stay in the house. Why? Because it is more adventurous outside. Yeah, some of us got into trouble, got arrested and things like that. But, you know, we move forward. We move forward. We keep going. And what Jesus is saying is, as the church, if you just stay in, you stay in unforgiveness. You, you stay in bitterness. You stay in pain. You cannot progress. So you're called out. And because you're called out, there's so much more opportunity. There's so much, so much possibility. That's what Jesus was saying to us as the church. See, because we have been so greatly forgiven, we logically are obligated to be forgiving. We have so... We, we have great forgiveness given to us. Therefore, we should be forgiving. It's like you forgave me a hundred million. I have no problems with this hundred fifty dollars, twenty-five dollars. I have no problems with that, Lord, because the amount of forgiveness that I'm giving out nowhere compares to the forgiveness you've given to me. So I can do that. Why? Because I'm called to this lifestyle. It's a calling. It's not just a choice I make. It's a calling. It's who we are as believers. The moment I say yes to Jesus is the moment he says, Ecclesia, that's you. 
you're called out of. Jesus replies in John chapter 3, verse 3. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, unless you're forgiven, you can't even see. Why? Because you're blinded. Unforgiveness blinds you. So even if you're called, if you don't receive my forgiveness, where are you going to go being called? You're going to need my forgiveness for what you feel unforgiven for so that you can see where you're going in order for you to now forgive other people. Because that's who you are as my people. And when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, I love it in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 13. I, I love this because he gives parable after parable in Matthew chapter 13. He says, Jesus tells them this parable in, in verse 24, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. In verse 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. That's one big donut, 60 pounds of flour. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Verse 47, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. In verse 52, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out, his, brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as the old. Yeah, the kingdom of heaven is like. He says that seven times in this chapter, that the kingdom of heaven is like. So he's likening it to something to give us the understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And even in this, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So even these, these parables, you're not even going to be able to understand because the kingdom of heaven is like this. But if you have unforgiveness, even though I tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like, you can't even see it. It's like at your house, I would use myself, like the Loxina, in the Loxina house, the Loxina house is like, you better clean up after yourself. The Loxina house is like, don't leave your clothes anywhere on the ground. Don't, you pick that up. You put it away. In the, in the Loxina house, it's like you, put, you hang your towel up. You don't just leave it on the floor after you take a shower. You hang it up. I'm sure in your house, you have certain things that you have, like, you know, rules in your house. Now, we put that in place because there's a certain culture that we have in our house. You, you, there's a certain way you want your house to be. And that's how it is with God. He says the kingdom of heaven is like this. But unless you live that lifestyle of forgiveness, you're not going to be able to see it. And it's a great kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like this. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, this is the lifestyle for my people. This is what it looks like. And it's good news. See, we may feel like, but that's a hard thing to do. Absolutely. But it's only difficult if we don't understand why Jesus calls us to forgive. You know, the amount of money that was owed by the first serving or the first servant was an unpayable debt. He could not pay it back. A hundred million dollars, he could not pay it. And the story is equivalent to our being absolutely lost in sin apart from God's forgiveness through the cross of Christ. It's like God saying, can you... Can you pay for your own sin? No, I can't. Right. That's why I gave Jesus Christ. I give it, I've given you a way. 
And in this parable, when he said to the servant, you know what? You've been forgiven $100 million. Go, you're free. This guy goes off and looks for somebody that owes him $50. That's, that's actually, for that, that servant, he can make that money. He can't make $100 million, but he can, the 50 is doable. So he could, he could even forgive him out of his own heart because he's been forgiven so much. But he still had that hardened heart. And he not only shows himself to be small in soul, but also lacking in wisdom. Because we know what happens to him. He gets thrown into prison. Now he's thrown into prison, and it wasn't the same deal. Like he said, okay, for you, I'm going to throw you into prison if you don't pay me all of this back, the hundred million. But then when he found out he didn't forgive the other one, the other person, $50, he said, come back here. Did you not forgive that person who owed you 50? Did I not forgive you 100 million? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why didn't you forgive him? Oh, I don't know. I wasn't thinking. Never had wisdom. So now what happens is, okay, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Now watch the difference. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. But in the beginning, it was, you're gonna be, you and your family are going to pay the price. You're going to have to pay back everything. Your, 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 your wife, your children, your family is going to be sold until everything, he, your wife, and your children, all that you have, you're going to be sold to pay back your debt. But the second time, he said, you're going to be tortured. Do you know that when we harbor unforgiveness, it's so much more torturing than if we just forgave? It, it, it kills us on the inside. And we don't know it's now. You know, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, they all agree that when we harbor unforgiveness or when there's, when there's some type of ailment on the outside or something that we're dealing, with, we're dealing with on the inside, they can always label it back to certain areas of unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. We're hanging on to it, and it kills us from the inside out. Therefore, if you want to write this in your third point, freed people, free people. When you're freed from unforgiveness, you're free to free people. See, unforgiveness freezes the relational possibilities between each other as well as with God. It just freezes us. And now we're left in a worse condition than when we were in our original condition before we were dealing with unforgiveness. And God says, no, I, I have so much more for you. This man should have seen himself as freed to free that other person. I'm free, 100 million, I'm free. Who can I free now? $50, you're free. 25, you're free. Who owes me money? $100, you're free. You, could you see the life that he could have given to everyone else? Could you see the light that he could have shown to everyone else? Could you see how much freedom everyone else would have had? And what kind of influence this person would have? Imagine if we were those kinds of people who said, God, you freed me, now who can I free? Who can I free, Lord? Show me people in my life that I've been having unforgiveness towards, bitterness, anger, and let me go to them and say, you're free. You too, you're free. Oh, you you're free. You know what? Everyone's free. Accumulate all of theirs. Oh, what is that? Not even a million? God, you gave me a hundred million. So you know what, Lord? Now I'm in the plus. 
So if there's an offense coming my way, I forgive them before it even hits my heart. Done. No, you're free. I'm not even going to hold that against you. Why? Because I'm confident in my Lord that I got $100 million in the bank. You're okay. You're fine. Yeah, sorry I said that. I didn't even, I didn't even harbor that. Yeah, but you know, I, it's, I said some words that you know, I didn't mean to say it. And you're good. You're good. I'm free. You can buy me some tacos, but we're good. See, the, the forgiveness God gave to us is not for us. It's also for everyone else because freed people free people. We want to be that kind of people. See, some questions we can ask ourselves is, do we, do we allow others within our $100 million of forgiveness, do we allow them in that? If there was a circle around us of $100 million, and it's not even ours, it belongs to God, do we allow people to come in that circle that we have unforgiveness towards? Or do we, we, we hoard it and we say, no, 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 this is, this is, this is for me. There's $100 million in forgiveness. It's for me. And we let no one in. We should be giving that out. Or do we just leave them on the outside and we're okay and we, we return to unforgiveness as our repayment for what they did to us? And we hold that against them. See, Jesus taught not just his disciples, but he teaches us the need of the discipline and the spirit of forgiveness because freed people will free people. What Jesus does is he breaks any chains of unforgiveness. He shatters those chains that only he can do. He, only he has that power to do so. So when he gives that to us, he says, now I'll show you how to do the same. And he releases people. See, forgiveness flows to those where God finds forgiven people to flow through. That's what he looks for. That's, that's where forgiveness is. Forgiveness flows to us because God is looking for forgiven, forgiven people who when I give you forgiveness, it's going to flow through you. It's not going to stop there. That's why John chapter 20, verse 23 says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Why? Because it's a flow through, not a flow to. It's not only for us. Freed people, free people. You know, his command to us is to become forgivers as we have been forgiven as an absolute must for us as disciples of Jesus. It's an absolute must. There is no other option. He said, this is the way it is, but I'm so glad it is because that's the way we're freed. And free people, free people, free people. Let's be that kind of people. Let's be that kind of church that releases unforgiveness. And we watch what happens in our family, our friends, our, our, even our workplace. And we watch what God does with forgiveness. Unbelievable. The weight is lifted off when forgiveness is given I'm going to ask us to close in prayer, and you can uh, put away your notes. You know, what is amazing is that Jesus lived in this spirit of forgiveness. That's, that's what he lived with. It was, it was he who set that example. And that's why he did what he did. He was, he was so free that he was able to free us. Jesus is freed from any unforgiveness. Therefore, he's able to forgive us and free us. That's why he could say on the cross, it is finished. It's, a, it's a, an, an accountant's term, a banker's term. 
when he said, it is finished, it meant paid in full. It's like he put a stamp on it, on our bill, and said, paid in full. What about you? Paid in full. Yeah, but I did this. Oh, paid in full. God, I, I got about a, you know, $90 million debt of sin. Oh, got that. Paid in full. Poof. And what about me? I got like $75 million paid in full. Poof. What about, yeah, I got like $150 million paid in full. Poof. Lord, I don't know where I am with this. I got like $750 million. I'm close to a billion. No problem. Poof. And here's why. Because a life of the Son of God is exponentially more valuable than eternity. His forgiveness is endless because His love has no bounds. There's no limit. His bank account is wide open. And He just stamps it, paid, paid, paid. But you know what is so unbelievable about God is that on the way out, He gives us a way to let other people know that, that their debt has been paid too. In other words, Jesus gives us His stamp and He says, now you go out and whoever has unforgiveness to you, use my stamp. Oh, you have $25 against, ugh, paid. It's not our stamp. It's his. He says, freely you have been given, now freely give. Who has unforgiveness with me? Oh, you have unforgiveness. Paid. You, oh, $15, that's nothing, paid. What about you? Ooh, that one is tough. That's like another million, but you know what? Paid. It's not our stamp. It belongs to him. Let's take that stamp. Let's go out there and let's start forgiving people. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, it's this word forgiveness that seems difficult sometimes. But when we live in the spirit of forgiveness, it's the most freed we'll ever be. So as we take this stamp of being paid in full, help us to find people that maybe we haven't forgiven or they have unforgiveness towards us or maybe they're asking us for forgiveness and we have hold it against, we held it against them. Lord, with this stamp, May we go out in the name of Jesus and be a people who lives that lifestyle of forgiveness. Help us to carry the spirit of forgiveness so that as we go out into the world and we see people, we're freed to free people. That's a life in the spirit of forgiveness, Lord. Help us to do that. And thank you for being the example on what it means to give forgiveness. You paid it with your life. And now we have eternal life because of that. May we do the same with everyone else. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen, amen. Can we just thank our God for his unbelievable forgiveness? We have these uh, invitation cards that you can take with you and go find people. Maybe even the people that there's unforgiveness there. And maybe this would be the first step to just say, I want to invite you to church. Or maybe you might have a small talk and say, you know, hey, are we good? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, I know it's been tough, but I forgive you. Can you forgive me?
And watch what God does. He's going to free some people this season. Amen.